Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello, and welcome to this. It is the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. I just heard that cough then. I, I just heard a cough which is going to be synonymous with this whole episode. You two are pathetic. <laughs> Says the man who's just spent three days in hospital. Yeah, and busted my way out like an absolute hero. <laughs> you, you were like, it was like the Shawshank Redemption you yeah, got I, out I, of uh, I, Bolton General. Yeah, I walked two hours to a train station uh, <laughs> uh, today to get home because I couldn't get home on time for this podcast because you were selfishly running a half marathon and my road was closed. Apologies about that. Yeah, I was well, very disappointed that well, neither of you came out to cheer me on. Some people did some forward planning and moved their car to the outs- to the outside of the <coughs> sealed off zone last night. Very Ooh, clever. Well, well done, you. So, so um, but uh, Tim, you also sound dreadful. Yeah, thanks. thanks. <laughs> uh, yeah, I feel okay, but I do sound dreadful. You're absolutely right. Um, I didn't feel great on Wednesday, Thursday when I had some inflamed tonsils and stuff. Ooh. Which yeah. then developed into, I think, laryngitis is what I have. Yeah, uh, and uh, humble brag alert: it was it got much worse after winning a CrossFit competition. Oh. <laughs> you are a hero. What a hero! Need. But um, but yeah, obviously, I, I've come to the. I, I'll explain why why I'm here in a minute. But uh, given it's, it's my job to have a voice, I'm not working tomorrow, and I'm freelance. So when I don't work, I don't get paid. Do you want me to yeah. stand in for you? Oh, mate, I, the nation would love it. Bon Jovi, yeah, sports weather go. travel. There you go, done. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm having tomorrow off. So I, I cannot really justify having tomorrow off from paid work um, and then sitting here wasting my voice and stopping <coughs> it from getting ready uh, by spending the whole evening with you. So I will be departing fairly soon with a, with massive apologies. I've spent all day vaping. This is the best I've sounded in two days. That's good. Wow. Getting there, getting there. So mate. All day vaping, basically just uh, getting one of those e-cigarettes. Little, uh, yeah, getting in one of those uh, thermos drink cups, putting hot water in it, and just breathing in. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, and it, it works. It's, it's got. A lot Are better. you treating yourself like the late Pavarotti used to treat himself? Um, <laughs> you know, like his daily routine of um, what do you have? Seven thousand like, calories. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, for CrossFit, of course. Yeah. Like, didn't he? I'm sure he had like lemon water in the morning, mm, honey, and honey, and just yeah. you know, small, uh, you know, dainty women massaging the back of his throat, or it, it had all sorts of things going on. So I did message earlier today and said, "Sorry, I'm, my voice is screwed. I, I need to rest it, so I can't pod." But then. That was at the at the point when I thought it was going to be me and Phil podcasting because JB was out of commission and in hospital. So when I heard JB was podcasting, I thought, well, I cannot not show up. At well, the very least, to just show a bit of deference and respect. And before JB explains what's going on, because I actually need to have some of the story filled in myself, um, 
I just want to say, if you appreciate having a podcast every single Monday morning, if you remember JB doing a podcast from a hospital bed after being impaled on a tree, if you want to show your appreciation for the efforts that we go to and the lengths that, well, particularly JB will (laughs) sacrifice in order to make sure you have a fix of rugby chat every Monday morning, you can show that appreciation by subscribing, by giving a five-star review, by telling a mate, by going to patreon.com forward slash egg chasers for more content as well. What the hell happened, JB? Well, I said we were <clears> talk <throat> about a game before we spoke about me. But <laughs> we, do you want... Uh, let, well, let's talk about you because Cocker, you, Cocker give, needs, give to, and he needs to rest his voice. Later. All right, well, we'll just get, get, get into it. So last week I tried to play rugby after what I can only describe as a grumbly, grumbly tummy. You were in quite a lot of pain when we recorded the podcast last Sunday. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, that's fair to say. So, me and Phil, you know, had separate private conversations. What a, what a pussy. Yeah, what, yeah what, absolutely. What a loser. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And double in the corner. I, Why, yeah. We had to uh, put your mic, mic down because you are whining so much. Oh, it was horrific, right? So, that happened. So, I went to hospital, got a, got a scan thing, an ultrasound, and... Um, I was diagnosed with gastritis, then gallstones, and then it was um, the what's the little thing which you get appendix appendicitis, and then on Thursday, Thursday night, uh, I decided to do what any self-respecting man does with a bit of spare time, which was do some Turkish get-ups with a ridiculously heavy kettlebell because <laughs> that's what that's what men do, isn't if you, it? If you've got ab pain, Turkish get-up is the one exercise that you should not be doing. Well, I, you know, I would have thought that's the one exercise you should be doing. Well, I guess it makes, but, you, know, makes you stronger. Bite through it. Yeah, of course. Not all podcasts do Turkish get-ups outside <laughs> outside of the dock, but we do. Uh, so, um, yeah, I just felt a little bit more funny, and it got worse and worse and worse. And through, so all through the night, so I've, then I've been up for God knows how long, just not being able to sleep, vomiting everywhere. It was absolutely oh, horrendous. Into hospital, I go again. This is my third time in. I'm like, hmm, maybe it is appendicitis. I'm like, it's not appendicitis. Everything is, mm. you, know, every, you know, all the blood, blood, blood's fine and whatnot. Turns out I've got an abrasion in my bowel, which has now been blocked. So uh, the next stage of this is to go for a, C- a CT scan. Have you ever been for a CT scan, Tim? No. Christ almighty. So, so I've, had, I've had CT scans before, but not... So I think I have had a gamma scan like, where they pump you full of radiation. But yes. I've certainly not experienced what you experienced. <laughs> so talk us through it. So the whole point of a CT scan, right, is they put a needle in you and they put dye in your system. So yeah, this is not you. a normal CT because normal CT is just... Um, it's, it's like an, an advanced X-ray, isn't it? Yeah. But it, you've had the gamma scan or the yes. radiate radio. Radiation version. <laughs> so, two stories on this, which I quite like. One I like far more than the other. So, it's like a big donut thing. It comes over, he spins around, and all the staff rush out of the room because of the radiation or, or whatnot. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it doesn't hurt harm them, but probably just best not do it all, all yeah. day long. If, you, if you're doing 100 scans a day, you yeah. don't want to be in the room for all 100. So, I've got my arms above my head. I might sound like X Men, I'm going through this bloody ring. And then they said, okay, dye's coming in. Three, two, one. Well, whatever, wherever that dye went. So they describe it as you'll, you'll feel slightly warm. It felt like my arm was going to explode. It, the dye just went straight into my arm rather than into, into my bloodstream. Um, I am screaming in pain. Like I, I, I'm not a brave man to start with, and I'm not a particular fan of pain. This was unbearable. So I've just got 100 mils of dye in my arm. I was like, Christ, is it meant to be... You know, I'm, I, I'm arched up my... 
my pelvis is hitting the top of this bloody ring thing. And I'm like, is that, is that meant to happen? Is that, is that what normally happens with these scans? And nobody reassured me to say, no, that was completely uh, what not should have happened. It's like, okay, uh, do we need to do the scan again? Did you get what you needed? I know, got to do it all over again. And I'm thinking, bloody hell. So um, link me back up to the machine. Thank God, I had a lovely guy called Mo. He said, I'm going to stay with you now, and we're just going to make sure it goes right. And the second one was absolutely fine. But the oh, first God. one was one of the worst pains I think I've ever... It was horrific. And you're stuck in a donut too. So you can't it sounds really... awful. It's like a scene off X-Men. It's like <laughs> it was horrendous. So anyway, they get me into surgery. And um, yeah, I was very lucky actually because it was sort of... It could have been, if I'd waited any longer, I'd have lots of my bowel removed or part of my bowel removed oh, at least. Uh, cut right down the... Right down the stomach. Well, that, that could have been potential colostomy bag, that sort of yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that's kind of where we were at. Uh, but got it nice and early. Uh, nothing is wrong with me. Uh, I'm just gonna re- just gonna recover from key- keyhole now, which is great. Uh, so, and have they given you? Because obviously, with the bowel, are you on a strict diet? Nope. They just eat whatever you want. Eat as yeah, much because nothing as much was, blue cheese as you can yeah. possibly fit in your face. Yeah, but I was, it was absolutely fine. So, is there uh, any cause for it, or is this something that can just happen? <laughs> Well, usually it's from existing operations. So if you've had an operation in the past, you uh, might have had an abrasion that okay. catches on the on, on the bar. So that that was me. So that happened on Friday. Saturday, um, my two neighbours in hospital, the first one had shattered his knee running away from the police. Perfect. The other one was um, on, on methadone. Um, and I was just I was thinking, how has it come to this? How has it come to this? <laughs> You're sat in the middle. Yeah. The rules between two thorns. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, there were some errors on the way to getting me out of that hospital but i can't really speak highly enough of uh, some some of the staff there hmm. maybe some things didn't go quite as well as they would have hoped to start with but you can't fault them once they realize something has <laughs> gone wrong and once you're so, writhing in pain in the ct scanner yeah yeah i, I mean you've got to say like some of the patients of, of the, the patience of, of some of those people because of the other people that they have to deal with on the ward is just remarkable yeah the patience they have to show to the patients oh the guy next to me had run away from the police and has fractured his knee. Um, he kept on calling the main nurse boss woman and demanding painkillers from her. And then he would ask her to roll her outside. And this nurse is absolutely pro. It was like, I'm not your mum. <laughs> Which is just delivered in such a cold, a cold fashion. It was, um, yeah, remarkable. I am, I'm glad you're well. Thank you, mate. Yes. And I'm very, very impressed. Well, I didn't think you were... I didn't think you were going to be doing this. Well, I'm not well, because there's another thing which happened which made me Ill, sick sick beyond my stomach this this week. Tok H finally lost to Widness, oh, who gave oh, us an no. absolute You're hiding. arch nemesis as, as well. Yeah, I know. You've had I a few know. ding-dong battles over the past few years. Yeah, it's good, it's good to good have... Team. I tell you what, it is good to have a rival with... Worthy of you, mm. and they are most certainly wor- worthy of us. So. I, I was reading the rugby paper today, and John Newcomb put some flesh on the bones of a conversation which you kicked off on Twitter a few weeks back about walkover games at grassroots levels and uh, pointed out I think 5% of first team games in England and somewhere about 18 to 20% of lower merit league kind of reserve league games have been walkovers it's just it's one one to watch it is Mm. it is it is. Who saw the rugby? So, so well, t- Tim has got to go and rest well, his I will, voice. I just, before I, you, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. yeah go on. No, no, no I was yeah. going to say you, you've got something before you want to. You want to go? Is it? Oh, no, oh sorry. Whoa! Oh, I get through puberty again. <laughs> um, uh, I was a bit like that with the lads earlier today. I was just. I'm not going to do. 
yeah, it's quite funny when 14-year-old lads are laughing at you and stuff like that <laughs> happens. No, I was, I was just going to play a little clip from Simon Cowgill, who's spotted that there are other podcasts taking heed of the principles and the thoughts which come up on this podcast. This is one from football. Oh? Is it different because you could bring Madison on with 20 minutes left and change the shape and he would give you something that the rest of the England midfield don't have? So I think there should be some sort of mandatory thing if we're going to insist uh, this and that player needs to be on the plane, you also have to see who you say who you're leaving out nice. for the player. Cock like, Yeah, so Guardian Football Weekly, um, what, what they were describing there was Cocker's Law. Do you, we got, do you remember when we nearly got sued by Unilever? What was that? What? Oh, yeah. What, what was the story there? Yeah, we nearly got sued by Unilever because we said that... Um, uh, cornerstone with the best razors on, on the market, oh, and, we, yes. and we couldn't prove it. <laughs> God, um, we had a massive dossier. Said <laughs> yeah. Stop saying that. Yeah, you can't say this. Prove it. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I'm going to start sending out cease and, cease and desist letters to other podcasts. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I'd also say that there's, there's there's some good emails in there if you did check it out. One from Zach Bleach, one of our patrons and uh, listeners from the USA, who um who was back home. And his American fiance suggested they went to the rugby, and he went to Welford Road. Oh, which would be a game oh. you, you would definitely be interesting. Very so interesting. It'd be interesting. To, I'll be, I, when I listen back to the pod, I'll be interested mm. to see if you agree with uh, what Zach had to say. But um, I'll just say uh, contact Edchasers at gmail dot com. Um, JB again, well done, mate. Cheers, buddy. Uh, thank you, boys, for having my back. Yes, always, Tim. I'll see you on the next one. Perfect. I'll, I'll try that again. See you on the next one. <laughs> no, I can't do it. Get well, mate. Get well. And Cocker, I'll tell you about my uh, half marathon exploits at the end of the pod for when you're yes, listening. Do that. Yeah. Oh, so, did you so, watch any rugby, Phil? I did. Wait. I watched Friday Night Game Live. Uh, did I watch that game? No, I didn't watch that game. It's because good, good game, that. The hospital Wi Fi wasn't working when I was recovered, but I did watch it subsequent to that. So I watched that live and I watched Saturday afternoon live. This afternoon, I was trying to get as much food in my body as I could, but failing miserably. I've not been able to eat since. I think my body's been under some kind of traumatic stress. Well, uh, you ran issue. a half marathon this morning. Yes, that, that's it's put me in all sorts of problems. But but yes, should we start on Friday night? Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. So, what performance by Exeter? Well, I think this went exactly as I expected. Did <laughs> you, it? Not? You always say that. Um, the the start didn't really, but then. The bit that was amazing was just how much Exeter made their dominance pay. And every minute that went on, Exeter got a little bit stronger. And what was a little bit stronger became a lot stronger. And what was a lot stronger became destructively stronger. Like, by the end of the game, every carry they were making yards, like, comfortably making yards and sucking in more and more players, which created so much room for offloading, room out wide, room... Everywhere they were just so much more dominant. They feel a little bit like on. they feel a little bit like this season's Leicester Tigers. And mm. they've they've hit upon their strategy. Obviously, this has been worked on last year, and it didn't have the most successful year. It comes this year, and they've they've just got rid of all these players that we all thought were absolutely vital to them. Like, mm. All their second rows have gone. They're going to get rid of Simmons in in the summer. They're going to mm. get rid of probably Hog, probably Noel. In, yep. in the summer yep. and no doubt they'll just sign 
some nobody from Australia or South Africa or someone or from the academy. Someone through the academy, yeah, yeah, it's going to happen. It's going to happen because when you have so much certainty and trust in your coaching team and what they're telling you, this is this is the product. This is what happens, and it's almost the opposite to Bristol. I mean, Bristol do do something. They are <laughs> they do things. Yeah, they do things. They do have a system, and I think that system was. Uh, probably a little bit overhyped, but they don't have the flexibility. And I don't think they have the flexibility of coaching in particular that Rob Baxter seems to bring. Yeah. It's almost... So a lot of teams will look at the way the Exeter played with the dominant set-piece, the dominant um, collisions and front football that afforded them the time to play out wide and yeah. play with play with Noel and Woodburn, who were both exceptional, and play them, play them out wide in the wide channels, but also play them uh, round the corner of the rook off the inside of ten or off the outside of ten, um, but a lot of a lot of teams will look at that and think um, that's kind of how we want to play. Yeah, but there's a big difference between like Bristol, Bristol the season where they finished top, they scored. A, I can't remember the, the exact stat, but they scored a huge amount. They might have been top three for pushover tries that year. Yes, so they had that they had that edge to their game, that gnarly tough pack, but they were also using. Sir Charles and Semi and Morahan and Johan Lloyd in that season uh, running running rings around people out wide as well. They kind of had both of it. I wonder, you know, if when Bristol came into the Premiership, Premiership rugby was one thing <clears throat> and the Bristol system was just something completely different. And it was that contrast between what Bristol bought compared to what they were playing against, which gave them uh, some of their success. And then you add in Charles Pietro and then you add in um, Semi and whoever Morahan, else it is. Yeah, who were... Whoever's going to score those tries out wide. But it, Piers, Piers Francis. Yeah, Piers exactly. Francis, Piers O'Connor. Piers, yes. Um, not, not Piers Francis. And now you look at them and you think, well, we've already seen it and there's no variation on what you've already previously done. And I also think that when they get caught, get found out, they actually turn into a much more traditional premiership-style rugby side than then you realise. They they do start to go more direct. They do try and start to muscle it over. And it's not their kind of game. Like if, if Euron's on the pitch, his box kicking can be excellent. Mm. So they they can do a bit of all, but the 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 way in which Exeter in that kind of the last twenty to thirty minutes, the way that they asserted their dominance was something else. Yeah. And the the bench that they brought off, being able to bring off the guys like Shickling, uh, Shickling, Van Ruben Van Herden, Big Dave Ewers for the carry-in. Yeah, it's mental, isn't it? And Luke, Luke Cowan Dickey coming off the bench. But like you know, just have a look at these these guys. Yeah, Cowan Dickey, obviously know about, but he's from the academy. Um, this, uh, I say, uh, Asafoa Scott. Yeah, like he he's not well known. He isn't. He wasn't tearing up trees. I mean, he's big, but he wasn't he's tearing big. up trees in. The uh, in New Zealand, same, no. same with Shuckling, same same with Van Herden. Yeah, yeah. You know, Dave Ewers is again the, the been guys. there for, been there forever. They've been guys who they've identified to fit their system. Yeah, uh, and, and they do. So, two lads I want to talk about. I'm going to talk about this guy again. Uh, first of all, is uh, Chazunda. Everyone knows about him, but what I think is more important is how they are extracting the value out of him, which is out out in those wide channels. Mm. It's been incredibly effective. And I wouldn't well, be. Wouldn't be capstick hanging in the wide channel. That's the other one. I love capstick. Yeah, you know, it was all about Simmons and how he was a dynamic ball carrier and this, that, and the other. But capstick is, I mean, he's not as powerful. He's probably not as fast, but he does bring some something unique. I, yeah, I, he's not got the same acceleration, 
he's definitely more rangy. Yeah. He's definitely got... I'd like to see those two, I think, in a 60-metre race, I think, um, or 40 yards, 60 yards, I think Simmons wins. I'm not so sure over 100 plus. I agree. I mean, you never have to run over 100 metres in... Um, well, what if you go backwards and forwards? <laughs> well, if, you, if your number eight is doing shuttle runs on his way to score a try... Yeah, then he gets kicked out the back of your scrum. Do, do whatever you want. Then you run back and you... Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah I, I just lo- I love the way that they've sort of remoulded their... Not their entire attacking game, but parts of it. It's, just yeah. to get the most out of the guys that they've got available to them at the moment. Yes. Yeah, so I, I knew this would happen. I knew great, that they'd great end up. performance by exercise. Well, it was a great performance. It was. I think. I think was, it was it? I think the last last half an hour was was exceptional, but that was built on the preceding. So I don't minutes. think I don't think it was a great performance based on the fact that I assume Pat Lamb already knew about it in the same way, <laughs> same way he already knew about the uh, Newcastle result before he played. <laughs> um, it was just the Premiership. Like it was nothing to do with Exeter. It's nothing to do with Bristol. As Pat Lamb would say, it's just the Premiership, and that's just how it goes. Just that's that's all it is, guys. You can't do anything about it. That's you know, all Ex- it is. Exeter couldn't stop scoring those 50 points and Bristol couldn't prevent it because it's Premiership and, you know. Now, two things. You, you've mentioned your pair of back rowers in Tishunza and Capstick. I just want to mention the wingers. These two wingers must be hitting Miles Benjamin levels of rooks. <laughs> These guys are everywhere. They work so hard because they work, they hold the width when the ball is coming towards them. But... If they're on the blind side, they are working so hard. They're following the following the play round, looking for the little inside ball or the outside ball. But the, the amount of rooks they clear, the amount of they do, don't they, they go through is amazing. Well, you know, wing is one of those <clears throat> positions, I guess, where you can make it into anything you want. Mm, you've got it, the most flexibility, pretty much. But back row and wingers. Well, I had said second row and wingers. Interesting. Because, like, the second row, you're expected to push hard, right? Push hard and jump. Yeah, but, like, what is your actual role yeah. around the park? So you you can get some second rows that, you know, I mean, you've got to work bloody hard for it. Wing can be anything. Mm. So everyone talks about wing, like, oh, he's got to be finishing, he's got to be fast. Well, yes, that's nice. And it depends on you know, what your team wants from you. And Jack Nolan's shown you that you can play wing in so many different mm. varieties. I mean, personally, from the winger, from wings, what I want is kick chasing. Mm-hmm. The ability to clear wide, because if you're in those wide channels, where are you most susceptible to turnovers? Mm-hmm. It's always, I, always wide. wide. Yeah. yeah. So they've got to do all of these things at a really high level now. Mm. Uh, so it's not just a case of, you know, you can be uh, whoever it is back in the day, some ra- some rapid guy who just finishes tries. I don't think, I don't think, it's, th- think it's enough. I'll tell you another guy who is impressing me with his impact from the wing uh, this season is Cock and a Singer. Mm. I th- so we'll get on to that game. I thought he had a really good game. Yeah, I did as I well. I thought he had a brilliant game. Him, him and Ollie Lawrence were, were excellent. Yeah, yeah, so let's just give a bit of background to this. This was, was it five days after Bath decided to borrow half of the Worcester squad for one month? Yes. So what is this? Is it like a try before you buy? Is this just... Well, they, they kind of got them into one or two days of training, presumably, and then uh, their contracts were terminated anyway as a consequence of the winding up order. So they, they kind of dipped in. It was announced that they were going to be um, on loan. But now they're, are they not just full bath players now? I don't know. Van Grand said it's complex and that he doesn't know what the future is for these lads. Well, actually, thinking about that, it presumably then will follow because because Bath have got so many injuries, they will get the extra room in their 
salary cap to compensate for the injuries. Is it per player? It's not per player, is it? I think it is per player. Can't be. It can't be. And if it is, it shouldn't be. You should have to go to your academy. Uh, but your academy's already in there. As in, your academy's already baked yeah, into yeah, the salary Yeah, as in, you, cap. Should, you should be picking your sixth-choice winger to play outside centre. Yeah. That, that, that's just how it should be. Like, if you're going to... Yeah, you have you, to be you careful do, with your selection. You do... You get... You definitely get credits, as in, like, you get extra room in the cap if you have players missing for... Yeah, that shouldn't... I, I hate that. I think it should be, here is your cap. Be very careful with it. But don't don't overtrain your players. Be careful with your rotation and sign players that you think are going to be be robust. Mm. That that is how you manage a cap. It's not well, you know. We took a flyer on this guy, got injured again. Can we have some more money? No, you can't. Well, that that is precisely how Bath have been managing their cap for the last three years. Yeah, not acceptable. Um, but Ollie Lawrence, um, Ollie Lawrence looked great. He gave them so much needed to go forward, as did Falconer Singer. Yeah, he, re- he really did. So. Do you know what I think I was watching? And I don't know if this is correct or not. But what I think I was watching is a Bath team who were a bit scared to play. They wanted to stay within their systems and be basically do what the coach told them to. Then you've got this lad, Ollie Lawrence, who's like, well, yeah, I'm just going to go and play. And he, he, looked like a, he looked like he was playing with a lot more freedom than, the, the, than, than his teammates. And I think that probably accounted for why he went forward, why he's able to play with, with um, mm. a little bit more effectiveness. Well, they, they so I probably agree with that because he he can't be fully integrated in the way that Van Gran wants him to play because he's only been there for five days. Yes, um, yeah, it's impossible, isn't it? It, it, it is impossible. Um, but they also used him to get that front football, which is something that we touched on the pod last week or the week before. That in there, the loss of back rows that has happened to them um, over the past couple of seasons, losing guys like well, not having. Mercer or Falatau or Nathan mm. Hughes, who can all get you front football in, well, in multiple different ways. Those guys can. Um, then you need to find it from somewhere else. And Thockner Singer and Ollie Lawrence did a great job of getting them some front football in the second half. Uh, let's, let's caveat this yeah. by the fact that Gloucester were considerably the better team in the first half, and Bath came back well in the second half. Yeah, uh, Bath did come back well. I didn't think. Gloucester were under too much pressure second half. I mean, yes, they scored, and the score line certainly suggested that uh, Gloucester were under pressure. I think Gloucester put themselves un- under pressure rather than Bath affected the pressure. And the reason I say that is, I just think they felt half time they were fairly comfortable, <clears throat> and they just—I think they just st- stepped off the gas a bit. Yeah, and I, and I had two things to that. One being the mistakes in the back in the Gloucester back line. Um, or was it just a lack of utilising the, the Gloucester back line. They, they didn't get what they should have done from that amazing back three. Um, maybe some of it's to do with um, uh, Atkinson going off injured. Maybe some of it's to do with the loss of Chris Harris. Mm. Um, but they didn't get the most out of it. But the other thing, the reason why Gloucester were, were not under as much press, pressure was Bath's line out. I mean, Bath did score two driving malls, but their line out was Awful. Yeah. They, yeah, I agree they, missed, with that. they were counting, uh, Nick Mullins was counting at one point, and it was like, and that's the sixth line out lost. And then 30 seconds later, and that's the seventh line out lost. To be I, using that many line outs. Yeah, so this is very, um, this is the sort of behaviour I expect from a defeated Stuart Hooper team, not from a brand new coach. Mm. You you look at the line out as, as something which is in your control. You know, you and throw the ball in. pride as well. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's exactly right. So people that say set piece isn't important, particularly in, in the Amazon ranks, and I hear this all the time. <laughs> oh, set piece is important. It's about how you play. It's you know this, that, and the other. It's not set piece is really even if you're relatively good at it. The first thing you can do is get better mm. because it's one of the few areas in the game where you decide you you dictate the, dictate the tempo, yeah, you know, where the ball's going to go, the numbers, the numbers. You dictate yeah. everything. Short, yeah. long, yeah. How you want to play it is all up to you. Yeah, and uh, so you should be winning that. Now, a pro team not to win their lineouts is. I mean, obviously there is another team defending it, and some teams can be great at defending. It's still not acceptable. You need to be winning an awful lot because if you can't win that, what can you hang, what can you hang your hat on? Absolutely, and that Bath team with so Quinru and, and Atwood, but then if you've got a six and seven, Tom Ellis who can play in the row, and Miles Reed who's very athletic, mm. he's lean and rangy. You should be better at the, like, you've got multiple options. Yeah. You, you should be disrupting, not being disrupted. I think they were using Miles Reed at the front of the lineup. I'm not sure, I'm not sure if he has that, exp- that explosion up front. Maybe he does, but yeah, I, I don't He's know. probably the lightest of those four guys, those jumpers. Yeah. I don't know what's going on. So last time I saw Quinn Rue before he we went to France, I was really impressed with him. I thought he's a real tough guy. Um, I'm not saying he's not. He just hasn't seemed to have translated into a bath shirt yet. <clears throat> It yeah, it's not yet. I mean, there is an element of Bath. Uh, what are they five and zero? Oh? Yeah, but he is. I mean, I, I love Atwood. Atwood's one of my favourite second rows. Yeah, I'd, yeah, yeah. I'd be looking at Atwood for the for the World Cup. Um, because why not? He's massive and great. Yeah, and I thought Quinn Rue and him would be a really tasty partnership. Shame that they haven't really got it together yet. Not yet, but there, there is. There's enough. So I think it's weird to say this. Bath lost at home in West Country Derby. Mm. Um, Bath almost take more out of this game than Gloucester. Gloucester will be disappointed to only win by four points, particularly given how well they started the first half. Bath will take a lot out of this second half performance. They won, won the second half 10-0 um, and arguably should have won it by more if they'd yeah, but they nearly, hit a few of those line-outs. I mean, they nearly beat Wasps too, didn't they? Yeah, well, it's, it's one of those, you can nearly win lots of times and you still got... They nearly, no they nearly beat Bristol. Yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah. now it's a habit they, again. They can take. They can definitely take positives out of this game. So, so here's a question for you: Do you think that Sir Clive Woodward will know who Ollie Lawrence is now because he plays for the worst club in England? <laughs> um, interesting. I mean, presumably now. Now he's moving. Now he's moved from Worcester to the, to the actual worst club in England. Yeah. Um, maybe it might be on someone's radar. Yeah. Uh, and also, did you see? Did you see Jamal Ford Robinson's injury? Oh yeah, it didn't look good. No, he thinks it, so it might be his pectoral. Oh god, which is the worst of the worst, really. Yeah, in that shoulder chest area. Yeah, that's not good. Like, if you get a pec injury, it, it looked it, bad. Like, it looked innocuous from the collision. Yeah, but the way he went down, you were immediately like something, something bad. I assumed he dis- dislocated his shoulder. Yeah, I mean, I'd actually think, I think I'd rather, well, it depends on the shoulder injury. I think I'd rather dislocate the, the shoulder than to the pack. Depends which joint. Yes. The, which, obviously, shoulders are complicated things, but if it's an AC joint dislocation, yeah, fine, whatever. Yeah, happens. SC is a problem, and then the other one, the big ball and socket, that's a big problem. <laughs> yeah, right, so I was talking to a physio, right? I don't know if you, uh, do you want know something just doesn't sound right? Um. Yeah. Do you when you like, explained like, an expert tells you like, that you think mm. Yeah like, I mean I'm no expert on this, but this doesn't sound right. Like saying uh the DVL 
DVLA employs 300,000 people. Yeah, I got that slightly wrong. <laughs> which, which for the, those listening to the pod was a call back on some stats that JB was uh, yeah. messaging eight, over WhatsApp earlier. 8,000 8, people. <laughs> yeah, Quangos in the UK employ, employ 300,000 people and spend 220 billion quid. That's a lot of money. It's a lot of cash. 220 billion quid on Quangos. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so, so yes, I do. I know. I know exactly what you're the what you're kind of alluding to there. Yeah. So I was talking to his physio, and he's like, "Yeah, the unique thing about the shoulder joint is it's all stabilised by muscle." Now, I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying, well, why is that one different? Like, why is that? Yeah. <laughs> why would that one develop in the way that it has to be stabilised by muscle, whereas every other joint is not so called stabilised by muscle? Yeah, is tendons and ligaments and muscle. Yeah, and, and cartilage. I was like, oh, right. It's also how much different. I know it is different, but you kind of got a ball and socket joint there. You've also got a ball and socket joint in your hip. Mm. It, why? I, yeah, why one, not the other? Yeah. So. Sounds like a ball claim. Yeah, yeah. I was like, nah, I'll take that with a pinch of salt, thanks. Yes. Yeah. So, And also with someone with immaculate shoulder hygiene. Incredible. Yeah. Right. Uh, so those are the two games I've seen live. Yeah. Just one last thing on Gloucester. Yes. We spoke about Bath, we haven't spoke about Gloucester. I think it is a legitimate superpower that they have. That a literal superpower, maybe <laughs> literal maybe. superpower. That their lineup is now so effective at times that they can go into the opposition twenty-two twice, come away with fourteen points. Mm. The, you know, you think about that. Most of their points in this game have come from two um, two entrances to the lineup. Uh, sorry, to the twenty-two. Three because it was the Alamano two and Sachina. They all came. Oh. from... They, they all came awesome. from line-outs. So, um, two were more directly. I can't, I'll get confused which ones, but two were more directly from the line-out and one was only a few phases later where so, they kind of set up the fake drive and but actually worked in field. Well, I mean, if you're doing that, right? So if your defence is half-decent and you can prevent enough points mm. and you've got this bed of, say, 14 to start with, your backs only need to be you know, serviceable. Mm. You know, if you just get one, one or two tries from them, it's a very, very efficient system that they've developed down at King's Home. It is. And it's it's the way it's the way when a new coach comes in to build a team. Isn't get it? The, it's exactly what you were saying before. Get the nuts and bolts right. Get your set piece exactly right. I'd exactly love to be able... To I'm waiting for... Um, I'm waiting for... Uh, what's his name to lose his job? Skivington to lose his job. Because as soon as he does, I can tell you what they've been doing in the... Doing in the malls. Because the mauling stuff that they're doing is really interesting. Now, hopefully, Skivington won't, will not lose his job for a long, long, long time, and I'll never be able to tell you what, what they do well, in the malls. Someone messaged us on Twitter with something that he's seen Gloucester do. What did they? Well, okay, if they've said it on 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 Twitter, so this, tell me what the tweet said. Something totally different. So, the, let me let me find it. Uh, this might be something totally different, but uh, Stuart HS said. Spotted a new tactic straight off the tra- training ground. This is the new thing: how to defend them all. Ooh, no, this is not what this I know. Is not the thing. Okay, um, this is a little bit tongue in cheek. Um, pulling the shorts down of the attacking players. Classic. Saw it in the Bath Gloucester game and today at the Rico. So at the um, Wasps. North it does Bath make a lot game. of sense, actually. It's always basic. It's always do the drawstrings up. Someone usually from one side pulling the shorts down. So a couple of players on attacking malls had them pulled right down to the ankles this Did weekend. They? Yeah. Oh, good, good spot. Great spot, Stuart. No, it's it's not that. It is okay. some very technical stuff, which is absolutely brilliant. It's I mean, it's so simple when someone tells you about it, but it's absolutely brilliant. So I'll have to keep that to myself. But mm. maybe if BT Sport are listening, 
Go down to Gloucester and ask Skivington nicely if he'll show you a mauling session and what they do. Mm. I don't think he will, though. Yeah, if they've got an edge on it. Oh, it is. Uh, which, pr- which they clearly do have an edge. Proprietary stuff, I believe. Yes. Um. So those are the only two games that you've seen? Only two games I've seen live. I've seen little bits of the highlights, but not all of them. I've seen Nuke Falcon Saracen's highlights. Uh, that might be it. Interesting. All right, I did. I saw the highlights of um, actually the first three games of the Women's World Cup as well. Right. Okay. So, um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, so it's a shame that you've not seen uh, the team with the best fly half in the world, who's just covering at the moment until the best fly half in England gets mm. uh, gets fit again. Yes. What a remarkable win! That is a remarkable win and undefeated. Two, there's two undefeated teams in the league. I tell you what. Saracens I, and Sale. I got Sale so wrong. And I apologise to everybody involved there. I mean, I thought it was going to be... I mean, the, the the biggest apology has to go to Rob Dupree, who is the world's best fly half. <laughs> at, the, at the moment, on current form. On current form, the world's best fly half. But, but no one's even close. No one's <laughs> even close. But he's actually playing really, really well. Mm. Across, across all facets of the game. It's not like... It's not the Rob Dupree of old who would have maybe a big carry and score by accident. <laughs> you know, this is this is a legitimate player who can play a lot of rugby. His passing is very sharp, very, very flat. Um, I think Gus War's been brilliant. Mm. And exactly as I said last week, get Rafi on towards the end mm. to really turn up the pace. Because that's a nightmare. That is an absolute nightmare for for any team. So if you were England, just steering away from this, just for a second, we'll come back to the game. If you were England, would you love to have two live wire scrum halves and, and you're 23? Like a Mitchell and a Rafi or a Randall? I don't know is the answer. Because I... No, I don't think I would. I think you need a more control, a more controlled influence. But where do you put... Where Do you start with more controlled? Do you have the... Because saying that is almost like you... You've either got a plan to... Oh, we'll control the first half of the game and then we'll loosen up in the second. Or we'll be lively at the start and then we'll get a lead and we'll control the, the end well, of the game. Yeah, I, I think at the start of the game, depending on how you play, and I think this goes for most teams though, you want to impose what you what you do on that, on that other team. And that is a variety. So look at Leicester Tigers, for instance. They like to impose their kicking game on people. Mm-hmm. Massively. Um, they like to do all, do all these things. But I think most most teams want to play rugby in the areas that they want to play. And that requires structure, and it requires kicking, and it requires you know, control, all those good things. So you do start the guy who is more controlled. I mean, how do you potentially, if you're England, start Owen Farrell? Um, but then with a, with a live wire scrum half, I don't think you can do both, both, those, both, both those things. Owen Farrell is a master at controlling a game. That's kind of what, kind of what he does. And you know, we saw him last week when Saracens were running riot. The reason he was successful then is because he knows when to sort of give over control to other people. But I just don't see like why you wouldn't why you wouldn't do why but you that, wouldn't do that. That assumes that that scrum half can only play one way. As in oh a live yeah, because you could have a live wire scrum half who knows when to switch it on. Yeah, balance maybe, is what maybe, I'd say. Yeah, maybe not like a faff. Maybe more like an Aaron Smith. So like, Aaron Smith be ideal type person, or even a uh, Nick White. Yeah, I mean, look, if you can do it all, you're fine. I think this is why Sale are finding themselves with a lot of success now because Gus War is doing a really good job of just controlling that mm-hmm. game and getting them, steering them on the field to where they need to be. 
I, mean, I would have no problem with a Richard Wigglesworth type. Look what Sar- mm. look what happened to Saracens in the final when Leicester Tigers kicked them, kicked them to death. Mm. So I have no issues with that whatsoever. And then right at the end, when everyone's starting to tire, that's when you can deploy people like Bevan Rod and Ra- and Rafi Quirk and all Quirk 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 yeah whichever Rafter Quirk uh, Rafter Quirk. Uh, and all those boys, I would definitely have the live of the two wires on, on the, the bench. bench. See, I'd, I'd, I'd like both my scrum halves to be able to do both. And maybe that's asking too much, but I just I find a scrum half who has it's the same with a, a ten who has no running threat. Yeah, it causes problems if there's no running threat at all. The defense can set up in a different way to the if someone has Correct. got the show and go. And I'd always, I'd always want to have both of those things. If you, if you have two good options who are as balanced as they are in the control aspects as they are in the live wire. And just another thing as well, which has failed miserably in the Premiership this year: teams trying to defend leads. So you see this in the oh, NFL. God. Yeah, no one can defend a lead. Yeah, if you go into the prevent defense, uh, you know, you basically have a load of defensive backs on the field. You will lose. You will lose eventually. It's yeah. just going to be a thing. A thing that happens. So. Why not just carry on attacking? Why not just carry on with your uh, most attacking players, get them on the field, and also give your coach the... Ins- I mean, I'm talking about... I'm actually pre- projecting here. I'm actually do it, talking about Talk H more than anything else. <laughs> but why not have a bench which you want to use? Hmm. Why not have a bench with the incentive for the coach to want to empty that bench? Yeah. Uh, I think... I'd be interested to see a few more games, but I don't think the... Um, the leads that have been blown have necessarily been due to team trying to defend the lead. Oh, I don't know I about think, that. I think it's more. I think it's more just a re- regression to the mean. May oh, I don't know, mate. I don't I, know. I, I can't. I, I can't think of a game. I'll give you one. Harlequins at Exeter. Harlequins at Exeter. So Harlequins. Ex- yeah, but Exeter. So I don't. I don't. Excuse me. My throat is. No, awful. no, no. You're going to say Exeter? No. <clears throat> Harlequins got ahead and tried to defend their lead. No. No. Yeah. Uh, Harlequins were no, no. down by 30 points. Yeah, Harlequins were down by 30 yep. points. And then they... But Exeter didn't try and defend their lead. No, no, no. But then Quinns go up. Yeah. Right? And then Quinns tried to defend their lead, and they box kick out, kick out, and then Chizunda scores in the corner. Yeah, okay. So that that's... For the last five so minutes, they were getting the ball and that, yeah, using that, it downfield. That was it, was... it was about two minutes at the end of the game. It was about ten minutes, I remember it. No, it's less than 10 minutes. 12 minutes. Definitely less than 15. 10 minutes. De- 15. Maybe two or three minutes. I'll make it go up higher. <laughs> well, you're just making things up now. No, I'm not. It's, uh, it's exactly what So, for the first half, Exeter didn't change the way they played. For the, for the Quinn's comeback, they didn't change the way they played. For the Exeter comeback, right at the end of the game, last maybe 90 seconds, that was because the Quinn's were just trying to finish the game they were just trying to close it out from 100 metres exactly away. don't do that. that was that's a two minute whistle window don't do it don't do it that, I mean, imagine how many they, that imagine how many they would have lost lost by if they did that for 15 minutes <laughs> but that's totally different just, to just, to do just, just extrapolate for 40 minutes just, just extrapolate that for me so yeah there, there is there, there, there are lessons to be learned here and I think my lessons are the right ones <laughs> uh, Leicester Tigers have got some lessons to, to learn yeah, it's, it's not going particularly well for Leicester Tigers. Yeah, for the, at this point last season, they um, well they hadn't lost, nope. and for another maybe ten games, they still didn't lose. Um, they've lost three out of five games. It's not a disaster year. for them. I'm not because I think they're playing well. I don't think they're a team which are going to look at their performance and go, "Oh my god, this is this is over." Because they're right in it for most games. Actually, didn't they get battered by someone? 
absolutely hammered, didn't, didn't, didn't they, by Saracens. Oh, they did get Saracens hammered. gave him an absolute yeah. beatdown, but they seem to be a different uh, style of threat. Sar- Saracens, are, Saracens are doing Saracens things. Yeah, uh, so I'm not overly worried for them at the moment. I think, I can't believe I'm saying this because um, it's not how I expected it. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. It's a go, but Jimmy Gopeth does not look like he is very comfortable defending in the centres. I thought he was <coughs> going to be a marvellous signing for them. He's going to kick him around the park. He's going to mm. you know, be that controlling guy because he's seen it all. But actually, Jimmy Gopeth isn't known for that as such. I mean, he's a wily old campaigner. But the things he's known for is want, wanting to play a bit. And he's just not Dan Kelly. Yeah, it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see whether he's a longer-term solution when Dan Kelly, cause, which, who I presume is injured, but mm. I don't actually know, and when um, Andre Pollard gets up to speed. be interesting to see how they balance that out, whether it is yeah. Pollard and Kelly, whether it's Burns and Pollard, whether it's Pollard and uh, Porter. I think I think it's going to be Burns. I never said this before Pollard even showed up. But I really think it's going to be Burns. And then, but, but Burns also doesn't suit the Leicester plan. I don't know. He, I mean, I think he's the better fly off. Maybe, but he doesn't. He, he suits the Leicester plan worse than uh, than Andre Pollard does. Yeah. Because how how much different to the, the Leicester plan is the South Africa plan, or the South Africa plan is the Leicester plan? It's a good question. It's a good question. Pollard at twelve has not been remarkably successful at Montpellier. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's fair to say. So, and it's also a waste of money. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing. Moving him out to twelve is a waste of money. So maybe they have to play him at ten just because because he's there and they pay him the money. And then Dan Kelly at twelve, he's certainly going to be on the biggest money in that squad. God, that, I mean, yeah, he w- he will be I, un- unquestionably. It's just, I mean, he's very handsome. I'll give him that. And he's a World Cup winner. He's World Cup winner. He's incredibly handsome. I don't know if I mentioned that. Um, but I just... He's just not... Well, I don't know. Let's wait till he get, gets on the field before t- saying that, he, that he's not the answer. He might be absolutely, absolutely he brilliant. Might, he might just perfectly fit in. Borthwick's got it all mapped out. You know, Borthwick never really wanted George Ford. Yeah, exactly. Why would you want that? He, George Ford wasn't on the pitch when... Uh, do you know, who he, he, do you know who, who he did want? Uh, McGinty. Rob Dupree. <laughs> but he couldn't get Rob Dupree, so he got the worst version. I mean, Andre Pollard is probably more like Rob Dupree than <laughs> it is well, like George Ford. The world's two best fly halves. Yeah, exactly right. Well, yeah, Rob, yeah, I don't think Pollard's 
operating on Rob's level yet? Soon. But soon. Soon. Um, other games. Hang on a minute. No, not doing any other games yet. Why? What? Why are you start, start sounding so hoarse? Um, I can't work out if it's the fact that I ran a half marathon this morning, or the fact that I've been sanding hundreds of blocks of parquet. Right. Tell I, me. And I'm still nowhere near through them. Also, what is your parquet? What what kind of wood is your parquet? <laughs> I'm glad you asked. It's a uh, reclaimed mahuhu. That's an African hardwood, right? It is an African hardwood. And you're sanding it? Um, well, so I've got to scrape the... Uh, so the Tongan Groove parquet. Mm. Um, I've got to scrape the uh, old adhesive bitumen, dust, grime, mm. hay in, in some instances it looks like from where it enjoyed its previous life in the Debenhams in Gloucester to mean that it will fit together flush when it I enjoys its new how, life. I wonder how many in my loft. great rugby players have stepped foot on, 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 your, on your parquet floor. I bet a few. I bet a few. Jun, uh, Junior Parrymore? Yeah. Leon Price, probably? Definitely. Vinacolo. Vinacolo? Volcano. Oh, imagine that. Imagine, imagine owning that, parquet yeah, imagine owning that floor. Yeah. So does your chest feel like a bit tight and queasy? <clears throat> um, not really. I've just got like a tickly cough. Yeah, so... As the owner of many metric tons of African hardwood mm. um, from my boat, I can tell you that sanding hardwood is horrific. And if you get it in your lungs, it is awful. You need you need protection. So I have been, I'm, of course, I am a chartered surveyor, RSCS chartered surveyor. So, of course, I've read uh, Surveying Safely, which means I must wear appropriate PPE at all times. And I have been wearing an have, uh, have F- you? FFP3 mask the whole time. I've been wearing a, a proper respiratory mask the whole time. Yeah, because if you don't, I mean, I, I've made this Cause, mistake. Because the, the stuff as well, the dust, the muck, even before you get to the sanding part, the muck that comes off this is, and the bitumen as well. Yes. Like you, you're chipping off, scraping off. Clouds of bitumen. It's awful. Clouds of bitumen. Fancy that. So it might be that, or it might be my uh, my half marathon, which is which is taking its toll on me. Go on. What was your time, Phil? Oh, I'm glad you asked, JB. Um, so I, I said on the pod, I've not really talked about this. I mentioned it briefly once when I started my training plan. Uh, I was aiming for 135, uh, and I had 12 weeks of training. And so I picked a four-week training plan that I cycled three times. Mm-hmm. And on the first week, well, the training plan, even though I was going for 135, the training plan I actually did, because there aren't really 135 training plans, I just did a 130 training plan. How? They just come off the shelf? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Um, And the training plan's been good. It's kind of my kind of stuff, lots of intervals, a bit of slow stuff, and the occasional longer, faster run. Um, The first time I did it, so in the first cycle, I was miles off the the 130 pace, which would put me on track for 135. So how far do you have to run to know if your pace is up there? Uh, so it's, you kind of do on this training plan, you kind of do two, two to three steady runs a week. Mm-hmm. And then maybe one or two breakthrough runs a week, okay. which would be like 10 one kilometer intervals at, at race pace with 90 seconds jogged rest, that kind of thing. Or, or like a, a 10k at race pace or a tempo five mile or 8k at race pace, that kind of thing. 8k, okay. So, what's what is race pace? Uh, so my race today was four, uh, 16, four minutes 16 per kilometer. It's pretty quick, 
Um, but yeah, so first time around, I was like, right, 135 is fine. Second cycle round, I was like, oh, maybe I'll get close to 130. And third cycle round, I was like, I can, if it goes well, I can maybe do it. I can maybe do 130. And what did you come in? So I set off at, well, the first kilometre, so I've never, I've never done a timed run like this before. Uh-huh. Made a schoolboy error at the start. Sprinting. <laughs> yeah, did the first kilometer flat out. <laughs> yeah, three minutes five seconds. Um, no, so you go in waves, and there's like I don't know, five thousand people in each wave. Sounds horrendous. And I was just chatting because I bumped into a friend at the start. Um, so I was chatting, a friend who was on for like one fifty pace. Um, but it meant I was at the back of my wave. Oh, and my wave went from like. 130 pace to one uh, to two minute pace so the first kilometer i was i was like 10 seconds off pace because i was like having to barge past people and yeah. like take detours so i'm not making that myself i'm gonna no. i'm gonna get right to the front of the start but then i um had a few good kilometers where i was under race pace and then s- settled into from a kilometer five I did my first 5k in about 21 minutes and then settled into my race pace, race pace, just trying to tick off at 4.16, 4.17, 4.16, 4.15, and What did you get? You still not told me your time. And got through the first 10 miles. What did you get? Tell me your time. 10 miles. Tell me your time. that. And um, enjoy, quite enjoyed the first 10 miles. What was your time? And then started struggling. And it's painful. I got, I Go got, so. My surgery was less painful than this. What was your time? <laughs> My last with a, with one point one kilometers to go according to my watch, I had five minutes and fifteen seconds. Oh, easy! One point one kilometers. Only my watch had overestimated my distance. Yes. So I actually had one point three kilometers to do in oh, five minutes oh. fifteen, which is actually if I'd been if I'd oh, done no. race pace for that final um, what I what turned out to be one point three. I would have just missed out mm-hmm. on 130. But fortunately, I had a little bit of gas in the tank and accelerated to do a four minute and three penultimate <sighs> kilometer. That's pretty and got 129.40. Well done, mate. Well done. My, that, uh, that's awesome. Half marathon. So here's a, here's, 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 here's a thing which I, I've thought. Well, not thought, but I've noticed during my time in rugby. Mm. It's sort of like a fitness snobbery. Particularly with coaches, and particularly fat coaches. I remember one particularly <laughs> fat coach uh, talked on this. Um, or he told another lad this. He went for nine mile running. He was, What's the point in running nine miles? Mm. Like, you're never going to run, run that in a game. And I, I kind of do see the point. Yeah. But I also, the more I learn about running, the more I think that actually there is, I think you do need to do it. I don't think there's any, I don't think there's any easy or better way. So you need to build up your, your, your fitness base for rugby. Yeah. So I so I never did. I, genuinely, before I before I was thirty five, I'd never run more than five k. Yeah, I never. I never did it. We, we did a few the occasional three k run um, in my time playing rugby, but almost always always intervals, always high intensity interval training, that kind of thing. Um, but I think I think that does miss something. It does, doesn't it? Because and it, the older I get, and the more, actually learning about uh, running programs has taught me a little bit about this there's lots of different ways to run but in, as part of a um, good training good running training plan I think this could apply to um, weights it could apply to rugby 
you need different types of data. You can't just redline everything. Mm, I think you're right. You can't spin it around. You've got to do like breakthrough sessions, as I referred to them before, where you are putting your body to its limits, either via intervals or via longer stuff. But you also need to do the base building. And yeah, it's something that I just I just never did. And I think that career. is the bit that rugby coaches in particular miss. miss. Yeah, I think that the base building, and because it's slow, it's monotonous. I mean, you can't build a base for rugby um, during your training sessions. If you're training Tuesday, Thursday, you you can't do that. You can't do it. You'd spend the full. You spend an yeah. hour, and you would probably wouldn't even get to where you need to be. Yeah, yeah. You've got to do that in your own time. And I yeah. think it's that base. And I'm learning this the hard way, CrossFit. You can't just go into CrossFit and, and work as hard as you can. You can't go to rugby and work as hard as you can if you haven't already put those building blocks in yeah, before. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of um, preconceived notions in rugby fitness, which are like, oh, you can't go running. You know, when do you ever go for marathons like yeah, on the field? Yeah. But that's not what when you're do you doing do it for. 10K on the field. Yeah, you're doing it to get the base so then you can build on your sprints, you can build on your strength, you can build on everything else. That's, that's a really good way of putting it. It's precisely it. And yeah. That's something that I, I probably missed. And I would, I'm not saying I would do... Huge. I might just go for one, maybe two, um, and it might be not even doing it on the road. It might be doing a bike session or yeah, like a low impact, like a low intensity, longer duration swimming session, something like that. When I heard something on comms this week about rugby fitness, and they were saying saying something along the lines, it could have been the, the Bristol game that they were talking about off the feet fitness because this was um yeah this yeah. was quite a hot thing wasn't it not so long ago like rest of joints will do off the feet fitness yeah as in you 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 don't have the impact so you're not running you're not bouncing um but they were saying when you do the off the fit feet i can't remember what they're, I can't remember what they're saying like it wasn't preventing injury or they weren't getting used to the knocks yeah and it's something it's a point that tim made actually when he was talking a while ago about his when he ran a marathon with like only a few weeks notice he got offered a place mm. and it was like doing just the the base building the slow and steady base building just to prepare your joints to be pounding for yes. that period of time there is it's like you would never go into a premiership rugby game with no tackling practice like not getting match match like ready for the knocks yeah like when i've played kind of vets games if you've not played for a, a, a big period of time you notice the knocks much worse than you would do because you're not kind of battle hardened. Yeah, first two weeks into the season, it's horrific. Yeah, yeah. Then oh, yeah same, same, same as you. I, to be fair, our, our um, pre-season, essentially the pre-season conditioning was generally pretty good. So you're kind of battle hardened by the end of that. But yeah, more recently, if I play now, which I play once a year if I'm lucky, um, I really notice the knocks a lot worse. Yeah, well, I've got bloody eight weeks of base building. The only thing I can do is run. I hate running. I loathe it. We'll go for a run if you want. No, thanks. <laughs> I know I'm going to just start doing it, doing it in the morning. Anyway, enough of that. Uh, did you see Saracens? Saw the highlights, yes. An absolute beatdown. Well, it seemed like it. The scoreline, well, Falcons came back in the last 10, 15 minutes, didn't they? After the Mako red card. Um, and after the game was already won, in fairness to Saracens. Um, but yeah, they, they looked good for that first half. They looked really good. I mean, they were... They were they got the bonus point at half time, so they could they could kind of shut up shop then. Chill out. Now I don't really want to talk about this game. Um not because I don't like Saracens or not because I, I dislike Newcastle or anything like that. Because well, it's very hard to actually see it and digest it all in the time that we had when yeah. we were in the second Sunday game. I've seen the ten minute highlights, that's it. But here's the thing for you. What do you think of the Max Mullen signing to Bristol? Interesting, because it it indicates that someone else is moving on. Ha- has has to, right? Yeah. Has yeah, to. has to. Because he's ineligible to be a marquee player, and 
even if he was eligible to be a marquee player, well, they've currently got two marquee players or three. Like you've got three guys on over half a million. You've got another two guys on close to half a million. So someone or multiple people are leaving that squad. So my sources tell me, and they're probably the same as everyone else's sources, so it doesn't really matter, um, that Bristol have offered Malins 100k more than what Saracens could muster up. Wow. So he had to move. He just had to yeah, move. Yeah, yeah. Um, whether he wanted to move. I mean, I'm pretty sure he did. He had, he, had a, he, had, he had a great time there, to be yeah, fair. Yeah, yeah. He made a real difference. He made a massive difference. Oh, 17 tries in 19 games. Yeah. Anyone's going to enjoy that. So back back he goes. I... I mean, I assume he wants to play fullback, right? They offered 100k more to Genge. They offered 100k more to Sink. Like, how can they just keep offering that much more? To- oh, because they get all the other players in, and all the other players who are not on the good contracts yeah. have to discuss how they're going to fund all the new players. Yeah, everyone like, else is on 42k. Yeah, they're, they're losing Joe Joyce mm-hmm. um, at the end of the season because they just weren't prepared to pay him. Yeah, it's simple as that. You know, he is expendable even though he's the heartbeat of their team mm-hmm. and their club in, in a large way they seem to commit their money to outside the squad rather than inside the squad mm-hmm. and I think that's really quite, un- quite really quite unhealthy um, they have however signed hang on who did I just say before Mullins no no, no. Who did I, who's the last player that I said Joe Joyce and they've just signed, signed Ed Joe Holmes pa- signed Joe no who's Ed Holmes have I made that up Ed, Ed Holmes a, he's a Bristol lock as well isn't he yeah um, they just signed Joe Batley from Worcester. Joe Batley, that's it. Yes, very because well, which he's going back to Bristol. Do you know his story? Not really. Bristol and Worcester is about all I know. Bristol. I'm sure he suffered from illness at Bristol, oh, really? and they stuck with him. Then he recovered, and then he went over to Worcester. Worcester. So it's quite quite a nice home homecoming. Mm. That I mean, it's not. He'd rather be playing his contract out at Worcester mm. as he originally intended. But you know, it's um, it's good that he's pick, pick, picked mm. up a club and whatnot. Um, two things I will mention about this game. Um, Elliot Daly is on brilliant form, isn't he? His 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 passing his pa- his his passing yeah. has been superb, which is not an day. Elliot Daly trait. It's not what we immediately think about him. No, no, but he's offering something perhaps a bit different to um, Stewart, who's in the who's incumbent in the shirt. Um, from an England perspective, and whether it is Stewart or whether he goes onto the wing, but he's looking fantastic. I mean, it is a very small sample size of Elliot Daly 2.0, but it does feel like he's coming into that almost like playmaking positions more and distributing the ball. Well, have I got that wrong? Think, think who had the shirt previously? Um, Goody. Goody. Yeah. yeah. So he's doing. Now he's not. He's doing. He's not a like-for-like like replacement for Good, but he is distributing very, very nicely. Yeah, I agree with that completely. And, I mean, actually, Good does it off a hell of, a, hell of an attacking threat uh, yeah. because his feet are so good. He always used to beat the first defender. Well, what's going on with him? Is he just not fit or is he just getting old? Or I think he's just getting old. How so sad. He's kind of... I, love, well, I loved Alex Good as a player. I really do. Yeah, yeah. And as a player, to watch him, when he was on his pomp, like, jinking round players, yeah. miss passes, dummies, scoring tries for fun, playing in a, a 10, playing 15. Um, so, yeah, I think, and, and also his off-field exploits as well. Exactly. My, sure. my, my one of, he's he's in the cadre of my favourite premiership players. Yeah. And maybe it's because his international career wasn't quite what it should have been, in, in, in my opinion, that you've seen him so much in, in the premiership. And he, you know, there's not very few players that are that good that gets that much exposure Exposure to Premiership rugby that consistently. Yeah, 
He's inter- so he's he's thirty four now. Just looked it up. Bloody hell, he's he 30, is getting on. Thirty four. I mean, he he had that battle kind of pre twenty fifteen World Cup twenty thirteen twenty four with Mike Brown. With Mike Brown, and he's he's three years younger than Mike Brown. See, I always think he's young because when he first came on the scene, he was eighteen. He might yeah. he was very very young playing first team for Saris. Yeah. So yeah, that, that, that point about Elliot Daly. The other one, did you see the red card? No. Oh, it's, it's, it's so negative and positive. Negative red Mac- card. Mako, what are you oh. do? What are you doing? Like, so he flops down, chicken wings his arm, <sighs> hits Tom Penny in the head, mm. straight off his feet. Now it's it's not. Now I've got to be careful how I phrase this because Mako is about twenty stone. It's not. It's not the most forceful shoulder to someone's head you will ever see. Like, I think. I think. I hope. And there was a handshake afterwards, so I, I think and I hope Tom Penny's okay from it. It's just dull and stupid from Mako. So that's the, that's the negative. It is, it's dangerous, but I think they got away with it. But it is just dull and stupid to go into a clear out like that because it was a, it was a clear out, um, clearing a rook to f- dive off your feet with a chicken wing and hit someone in the head is just stupid. Yeah, but it was as soon as you see that, you know. It, it is a red card. It's not the most forceful thing in the world, but it's a blatant red card. It's stupid. You're, see you later, Michael. Like it's, it's crystal clear what is going to happen in yep, that situation. Can't, can't argue with that. Yeah, so it's, it's, a, it's a weird silver lining to a bit of stupidity. Hmm. Before we talk about the last game of the weekend, yes. the highest scoring game, game of the weekend, two things. Um, have you seen Lawrence Delario's comments about Wasps and Worcester? No. Have you I've seen, seen everyone losing their mind about I've Lawrence? seen them reference. Jesus Christ. But I've not I've not seen them, so you'll have to fill me in. Such high high level pathetic bedwetting by all of rugby Twitter. All of them. All of them. Um Lawrence Lalio goes on to BT Sport and he explains in real good clarity um the situation at Wasps. And I think he makes some very valid points. So first point he makes is Wasps have communicated this from start to finish. And I can tell you right now, Wasps have. I mean, they might not have said absolutely everything. Some things might be commercially sensitive. There might be yeah, some things yeah. that you know, they need to be careful with. But if you phone Wasps, if you just pick up the phone to Wasps, they will tell you stuff. Mm. You know, they're not you know, they're not the sort of organisation like Worcester are, who are shady and were hiding things. And that's not a reflection on Worcester as a club, but it is a reflection on, on the on ownership. The owners. Yeah, yes. and how it is, how it is run. Yeah. And I think you should separate those two. The way that the owners of Worcester handled what happened to them compared to Wasps is night and day. Mm-hmm. And you've also got to look at the two uh, situations. Lawrence Delilah highlighted that Wasps are part of five companies. It's not working out for them. They had every right to take the risk. I'm glad that they took the risk. But it's failed, right? And this is professional sport. When you fail, mm. uh, you get relegated. And I tell you what, fans of Wor- Worcester and Wasps should be very fortunate or should feel very fortunate that I'm not in charge because they wouldn't be re- relegated to the championship. Mm-hmm. They'd probably be going to national, maybe the bottom of the nationals, but maybe even the bo- bottom of the pyramid. Yeah, so either, say, tier four yeah, or tier 10, 11. I'd probably go 10, 11. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe. I don't know. I, I, I'd, I'd have to think about it. But they, they wouldn't be going to the championship. That is mm. 100% certain that would not happen. Uh, so... Uh, those are a few things. Now, what Lawrence Lyle also said, and this really upset everybody, is that the RFU should think carefully about what they do with Wasps because they're a big historic club, they're a big historic brand. And the implication was, 
uh, maybe they should escape the punishment that Worcester should. Mm, they're more important than Worcester. Yeah. Two things can be true at once. Um, they should not escape punishment, but they are objectively a more important club historically to the game than Worcester. And they are indeed a bigger brand than Worcester. And they're probably one of rugby's most renowned brands and one of the most renowned clubs in the entire in the entire world. Now, that would be London Wasps, whether Coventry Wasps mm. can quite say the same thing, I don't know. But that is true. I mean, yeah. That is just true. So they are they they are historically a bigger club, but you and you right to distinguish between London Wasps and their current incarnation. Yeah, but yeah, Delalio, and I, I'm I've not seen it, so I'm kind of putting two and two together here. He has certainly historically had dealings. I think he's still on us. the board, is he not? He definitely. Now I do remember listening to him. I think it was on Stephen Jones. When Elliot Daly went, he was yeah. a director. Yeah, he was involved then. Yeah, um, but that's that's going back several years because he was talking about how much more Elliot Daly was going for. Now, not giving figures, but that's that's quite a few years ago. But I thought at some point after then he he kind of stepped away a little bit. Yeah. But I could I could be, he's definitely got historic links and current links. Yeah, so he spent his whole professional he, career there. He is. He will always be. Bias towards wasps in favour of wasps. Well, here's the thing: both wasps and Worcester do not exist, or potentially will not exist in the future, because mm. there are not a pe- not enough people like the Lalio who care about those clubs. Like, if there were thirty thousand people who cared as much about wasps as Lawrence Delalio does, you know, you might still have a viable club there. You, you would do. You'd, you'd have a very out, viable club, even even half that. Yeah, it's out half the Rico. It would be a viable club. And here we are. I mean, the reason that, or one of the reasons that NFL coverage is so good is because in the NFL network itself, they have partial commentators who support or have friends still playing or whatnot. Mm. And you know, they have these... Same with the Monday Night Football. You know you, you know that Gary Neville has his favourites. You know that Carragher has his favourites. Now, I'm not saying I want exactly that, but it does provide a bit of spice. Mm. Now, Delalio was nowhere near as partisan as either of those two uh, two examples, but he does care about the club. And when he, we're in a situation... He is a bit partisan in comms sometimes. When well, we're fine, but he's allowed but to which be. I, which I, I don't mind, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have no problem. So so, so is Austin, so is Ben, so is Hugo. Yeah. Uh, even, I think Nick Mullins might support Tigers on, on the sly. <laughs> I think he might do. Just like, yeah, just inkling. I, I, Although I never, I never actually pick it up in comms from No, I don't. Uh, Ali Eakin supports. Oh. Well, at least he grew up support pl- Supporting a team, don't know, don't know. Cluster, oh really? Yeah. Um, so yeah, everyone's got everyone's slight, slight, uh, everyone is slightly partial. Yeah. Um, Apart from you, you are a neutral. I am hundred percent neutral. In yeah. fact, you know, if you want someone on TV who's neutral, yeah. I'm the only option. Dyed in the wool, neutral, neutral through and through. Yeah. But when rugby's suffering from a lack of people who do care, it is madness to lose your mind yeah. about a TV pundit who. Has links to a club. Yeah, he cares. Yeah, you know, if, if more people cared about Worcester, they wouldn't be in this situation. So uh, enough crying. Just listen to what he has to say and take what you can from it, rather than you know the hysterical bedwetting across <laughs> ru- across rugby Twitter. And whilst we're on hysterical bedwetting, yes, something else ca- came up today which really annoyed me. Go on. One of those societal things. Um, there is a sign in a Scottish rugby club called Hamilton. I think it is. This you do have an axe to grind with this one. Oh, I hate it. Uh, and it says we have a zero tolerance abuse, uh, zero tolerance, we have zero tolerance towards abuse of such and such and such and such. Yeah, coaches, referees, players, uh, 
Yeah, you, you name it, dinner uh, ladies. I mean, what is the idea here? Is it to advertise that your club is full of scumbags? I mean, what is the, you know, we, we have previously had scumbags here. What <laughs> What is it? And then to put it on Twitter and everyone applaud it like, oh, is, isn't this isn't this brilliant? Isn't this so proactively going after abuse? No, it's proactively looking, making you look stupid. And if you show up to the club for the first time and the first thing you say see is a warning about abuse, oh, that's that's friendly. I mean, what what kind of place am I possibly in here? Oh, I just, you know, this is exactly the same behaviour that you see exhibited through, you know, the health and safety and the concussion thing, which is we must put the worst parts of the sport exactly where we can see them or otherwise the game will die. Meanwhile, the game, this is killing the game. This sort of nonsense is killing the game. You know, constantly harping on about the worst parts of rugby. If you have abusive people at your rugby club, then they're not allowed to come back. But you don't need a sign saying that. I mean, the sign is almost certainly for somebody who wants to build signs rather than someone who wants to solve problems. Just winds me up no end. I So while I don't get as wound up by this particular example, the I definitely share your frustrations on um, putting the worst aspects of rugby or people's perceptions of the worst aspects yeah. of rugby. Like the drinking culture type and stuff. And I don't even like the word this. abuse. I mean, the, the, the word abuse... It's so wide-ranging because we put the word abuse at the front of domestic abuse, sexual abuse, like some of the worst behaviours... Substance abuse. Substance abuse. Some of the worst behaviours that humans can be involved in. Mm. So when someone says, you know, if you've got a disagreement with a referee, which sometimes happens, I mean, God knows, I've I've had some, <laughs> and say, you were abusive, you want to tell that individual to fuck off? Like, <laughs> who do you think you are? Abusive. That, that is just not the right word. But you've got this catch-all, you've got this catch-all term. Uh, so, uh, in a way, it's sort of like it's just being able to weaponize what you know the way that you want the game to be run against the way that everyone else wants the game to be run. We just can't go around saying, you know, everyone's abusive or everyone's the worst version of themselves, yeah. or it's it, just I mean, awful. It does feel redundant. To, or you would hope it's redundant to have a sign basically telling everyone just kind of don't be a dickhead. I mean, like, if they be, be, a, be yeah. a good person, if like, they try, have, try and be decent. And also, if you've got a zero tolerance policy, right? You, you as you point out, why would you need a sign? Yeah, yeah. Presumably, they've all gone. <laughs> I mean, there's there's no more tolerance unless they've all been undercover and they're about to break cover now. Or <laughs> you're warning them. Yeah, you've got suspicion that every single one of your fan base is an undercover, intolerant abuser. Well, of- that, that's the other implication, isn't it? Like they would all be abusing people if it wasn't, wasn't for our, our wonderful sign. <laughs> You know, there'd all there will be you know, racial slurs, and you know, it'd, it'd, be, it'd be terrible throwing throwing eggs at referees. But because we've got this sign, uh, we've we've stopped the animals that we call our fans and uh, parents of children um, attacking officials. It's just not. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Um, did you watch this game then? Watch North. Yes. Uh, no. Yes and no. So I watched the first half, and then. Yeah. Uh, everything sort of caught up with me from today, and I had a four, hour, a three-hour sleep. Oh, I would have loved a three. I, tr- I tried to hint a few times. Obviously, um, Claire took the kids while I was off doing my little job mm. this morning. I, I tried. To, I, I let, put down two hints that you know, when I w- went for um, a burger and a beer in town, uh, and I hinted that I'd really like to spend the afternoon, mm. um, maybe watching the football or rugby with a pint in a pub uh, with one of the other guys who'd done the half marathon because we, we've earned it mm. that, that gained no traction at all why do you ask 
Why do you ask permission? <laughs> Seek forgiveness. Seek forgiveness. I was, I was there with Claire. I was like having a having a burger with Claire and the kids. So I mean, you just walk out the door. Yeah, I would go. <laughs> I, I, I would. And, and then I hinted when I was exhausted when I got home. So, oh, maybe just a, maybe an hour lie down while while you make tea. And that that gained no traction either. Well, yeah, I mean, you're in a tough spot here because you did do it to yourself ultimately. Yeah, that's the like in Claire's mind. It's all well, it's two things. One, I've just had like a a lovely, gentle put, poodle about in the sunshine. Yeah, uh, and to it's self inflicted. So I've had zero sympathy. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know she probably hates you as well. Um, yeah, unquestionably. Yeah, unquestionably. Um, Last game of the day? Yeah, this Wasps Northampton. So, when I was watching it, here's what I saw, and then, I don't know if you saw the second half. No, I didn't. I've only seen a few of the highlights, but not the full. So, the first half I would describe as really good Wasps. Mm. Really good. They were attacking well. They were doing um, all the good things that Wasps do. They were a nightmare on the breakdown. Mm. Um, uh, I can't remember his name. Yeah, Nazim Carr got a really nice turnover. Yeah. Uh, Jack Willis got 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 a good turnover. Uh, they were just doing really good Wasps things, and I still maintain that's how they're coached. They're coached to nab breakdowns and be really, really quick and uh, nicely attacking with with the ball. Definitely. And then it just sort of, well, from what I can tell by the score, completely broke down because when I fell asleep, they were they were up by at least a score. And this is not for the first time that Wasps have fallen off a cliff. Now. I didn't see this game, so I can't say how much of this was Wasps trying to close out the game. For um, well, it, may, it actually might have been. Look at the time of the tries being scored. Northampton scored two tries in the last two minutes. Oh. So closing out, oh. I wouldn't bemoan anyone closing out the game in the last two minutes because you, that's all you've got to do. But this is my point. This is exactly the point that I made about run it from your own twenty-two. No, this is the point I, I, I made about Harlequins, right? Yeah, but there's a time. So I, I so so Harlequins have, have done this, and now for, t- for two Wasps, minutes. So you hold still, the ball. You still have an issue with it in the last two minutes. I mean, it, it's, and I've not seen this game. So yeah, I don't. yeah, look, hold on to the ball and go through multiple. I mean, there is a risk, isn't there? The referee goes sealing off because they yeah, love to do that. They love to do that. They're, they're guided. I've, I've definitely heard or read that referees are, if a team is just trying to close it out by just picking one out, pick and go, yep. pick and go. I've seen it. Just. Pop pass dropped straight to your knees. They, is they, it they what is the law? There's some sort of is there a law about that? What just dropping to your knees before contact? Yeah, I'm sure there's something. Then, they, but the refs refs adjudicate it whether it's in the laws or not. Whether it's just guidance, they adjudicate it. So if a team is just trying to close out in the last three minutes, they will proactively try and favour the team that's behind the know, defending like, team. Teams regularly go ten phases, tw- sometimes twenty phases plus, without you know. Batting an eyelid. Why they can't do this when they need to do it for two minutes is beyond me. There is generally a difference between the twenty phases to, that lead to a try, which at least would, which normally leads to some risk. At least it's not just just go and score another try on on. <laughs> yeah. So okay. So all I'm not? saying is, it's happened to wasps. It's hap- and and it's happened to harlequins. Unless you are more than two two scores up, do not try and close out a game. Then here's the but question. they were more than two tries up. So well, yeah. But when did they? Because wasps probably tried to close out the game in the last two minutes. They weren't trying to close out the game on fifty five minutes. But to be fair, mate, are we are, are we are we debating a game that we're imagining now? We are. <laughs> were they, right. They weren't picking going for the last twenty five minutes, were they? Well, maybe they should. 
<laughs> That's the opposite of your point. Maybe they should. No, no, pick and go is fine. Kicking it away is not fine. <laughs> Close it out, but in a different way. Okay, okay. Uh, so that's a pretty detailed breakdown of Wasps and Northampton. I bet everyone's Perfect. delighted with that. Um, and that's the end. Let's do the predictions, and then I need to go to bed. Roger that. You need to go to bed. But hell, Saints are at fifth. How do Saints do this? They seem to lose more games than anyone, but climb the table. <laughs> bonus points. Five bonus points. Yeah, look at that. What a difference. Played five. Bonus points. Only, only won two, but they're sitting fifth. Mm. Uh, hang on, hang on. What kind of table is that? That can't be the right table. Are you on your favourite Ultimate Rugby app again? I am. Oh, no. Hang on. Where will you learn? Hang on. Well, well, no, 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 no. Just let me read you this table. I'm going to read you this table, okay? This is not not Ultimate Rugby, okay? First, Saracens. Makes sense. Second, Second, Exeter. No, it's Sale, isn't it? Sale on on the table, mate. What? Have a look at that table. I was like, oh. Saracens, Exeter, Quinn. Oh, yeah. One, two, three, four, five, six. That's a 12 team table. So, um, do you, do you, are you still paying for this? I, I love also r- r- rugby app. It sometimes works. <laughs> so, Worcester are still in the league above Newcastle Falcons and Bath. Uh, but there is no sale shocks. Interesting. Interesting. So, yeah, it is, a, it is a 12 team league, but they've just got rid of the wrong team. That's astonishing, isn't it? And here's me doing a rugby podcast off their information. You know, so oh, let me just check. Have we, have I, we've got all these scores right today. <laughs> Jesus Christ! You know, sometimes you get. Um, there was one in the rugby paper the other day of a picture of Sam Simmons leaving for France, and it was Joe Simmons. Oh in the dear! Rugby paper. You know, sometimes you get that kind of thing. Uh, they got Quasi Quartang mixed up with someone the other day. Yeah, and they got someone else mixed up in in the rugby paper. Rugby. So not rugby paper. I think there was one of not rugby paper. Sorry, in in rugby there was one of. I think it was Marchant and, and Watson or Marchant and Joseph for England a little while ago. Mm. Um, anyway, this is basically the same thing, but with rugby teams. They've confused Sale and Worcester. They're up north. They're, yeah, slightly to the west. Yeah, that's north, fine. North a bit. North of London. So we've got, on Friday night, an amazing game. So my two favourite teams in the league at the moment. London Irish travel to Sale Sharks. Ooh. And this will not be London Irish's normal fare, I do not think. I do not think London Irish are going to come away with 30-plus points. I think they're going to get their faces pounded in by robbing the boys. Interesting. That would be a good game. be a cracking game, that. Come on. Come on, London Irish. What, you were going to say Sale, then. <laughs> I think Sale are going to absolutely murder, murder Irish. Um, then on Saturday, Saturday um, the 15th, we've got... Uh, Chiefs v Wasps A big I think that Chiefs are just Cooking with gas now Yeah um, I think they'll dispatch Wasps with very little Problem Combine Chiefs Success at scoring In the second half And Wasps Wasps failures Defending Mm -hmm. in the second half This could be 100 points To Chiefs in the second half Minimum Minimum Um, Gloucester host Bristol I think that Gloucester Absolutely smash Bristol to pieces Gloucester not going to smash them But Gloucester will win so we'll get a bonus point win. Bristol will be there. there. Bristol to Bristol two bonus point loss. I'm going to say Bristol not good. They're not going to get a bonus point. Ooh. Um, Saints v Falcons. Saints win. Saints win. Handy Saints win there. Yeah. And also a handy Saracens. This is a good week Saracen, for an accumulator. Saracens bath. Yeah. That's big. So we're saying 
all home wins. I don't, don't think I predicted one on uh, Friday. I think, yeah, sale. So all home, home wins. And, uh, and who's uh, on their bye week then? Uh, Worcester. Oh, Worcester's bye week. Well, Worcester, <laughs> Worcester no longer exists. So have they reached? Oh, it, was this Worcester's bye week anyway? There's only five, there's five games, right? Uh, six games. There's six games because there's the Friday night. There's four on Saturday and there's a Sunday because well, Sunday well, is Quinns versus Tigers. Ah, that's right. Yes, uh, yes, 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 yes. So I had that'll the, be a good game. Had all the URC games in between as well. Uh, I'm pretty sure Dragons uh, lost again to Benetton. Benetton, your get in, Benetton. boys, get in. And my beloved Ulster smashed Ospreys, yeah. which I've not yet caught up on, but will do. Uh, just have a look. Benetton sitting pretty at fourth. Really? Yeah. Uh, although someone's also sitting at second, so mm. swings and roundabouts. But also have lost a game, unlike Leinster. Yeah, I wonder. Just going, just talking about UFC, very, URC, very, very quickly. If Leinster's loss against South Africans against the South African team last year are going to mean that they're going to take it seriously this mm. year, and if that's going to strain or maybe even improve their European campaign, mm. that would be interesting. And in the World Cup year as well because yeah. there'll, be, there'll be significant pressure from the IRFU, uh, IRFU to manage players game time particularly their 37 year old um, Ireland captain yeah well I'm not sure I mean for this group of Leinster players I would say it's always been European Cup or bust because the pro, the pro whatever it is, is like a gimme given now it's not a given <coughs> I think they're going to want to win it all mm. and I think now it's tougher it's going to improve them in Europe because I always think coming into Europe they're just not battle hardened that's why they keep on losing yeah I mean they have got four stars on their shirt haven't they when, the, when was the last one uh, three years ago mm, exactly <laughs> so for two years they've not no no because not. they had and when was their last win was it 2019 I think it's further no that would be um, maybe maybe it's, it's longer ago yeah never mind that's We'll do this, and then we've done everything, and I can go to bed. Yeah, your well-deserved sleep. Da, da, da. By clubs. So you've had uh, you've had Exeter eighteen, yeah, twenty eighteen, long time ago, mate. <laughs> you've had Exeter, you've had Toulouse, you've had La Rochelle, and uh, three seasons. Saracens, maybe. Saracens, 19. Yeah. Exeter was 20. Toulouse was 21. And La Rochelle was 22. Four seasons. So, how? let's just go through where we watch these games. We saw the Saracens one in Poland. It's always in on a stack. Krakow, yeah, Krakow. yeah. We saw the next one. That was a 20... That was Exeter. That, was Exeter. that, that happened, no, because that was during lockdown. Yeah, that but was... did we not see it in Bath? No, that was, the, that was the... No, it was, was Rassing sem- was that the semis? semis we watched in Bath. Yeah, so I think we were just... But hang on. Yeah, we did see sem- the semis in Bath because we watched the European Cup semis on the Friday night. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Then the next one was... Uh, Toulouse. Which I watched in the rugby club, so that doesn't count. And then the last one we watched in Spain. We did. In there we go. Madrid. Knowledge. Yes. Very good. Excellent. And well done, that, Phil. On that bomb- bombshell. Oh, can you confirm if we're going to Malaga? Um... Yeah, I think we're going to go to Malaga. I, yes, I've been, I've been yes, holding yes, off yes, yes. buying tickets and everything because I didn't know 
I've basically not spoken to you for three days. I've been texting been in, furiously. I've had nothing to do with text from a hospital bed for three days. I've, I've noticed some tweeting going from your account. Yeah. But um, no, we are going to go, I'm going to sort it out this week. Um, we are going to go to Malaga on the 5th of November. Yes! To cheer on our boys, Malachi Fekitoa, Sir Charles Pietau, oh, yeah. Betty Tamani, and Izzy Falau, potentially. Yes! I, I want a picture with all those boys. <laughs> Absolutely. Against our beloved, not Russia, Spain. Yeah. The, our team against our boys. Yes. Perfect. Can't Perfect. wait. Right. I will see you in the week, Phil. Let the boys play. Let the boys play. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.